This time we will introduce Giorgio Agamben's state of exception. As a philosopher and a political theorist, his most famous contribution is the concept of homo sacred and the state of exception. Throughout the first two chapters of this book, although Agamben elaborates on a great range of exemplifications in juridical theories and other realms that are unfamiliar to me, and probably to most students in the field of sports studies. It is nonetheless useful to grapple with how the state of exception relates to the notion of sovereignty as his theorization evolves. Contiguity is the term that Agamben assigns to the relationship between the state of exception and sovereignty. Here he borrows from the German jurist Carl Schmitt, who defines the sovereign as he who decides on the state of exception. The first feature that emerged from this discussion is the state of exception is the difficulty to define it. This difficulty is manifesting the paradox that, as a result of political crisis, it appears as a legal form but cannot have one, and its tendency of both relying on and abandoning of law. In explaining the relationship between the state of exception and civil war, Agamemnon brings forth the idea of legal civil war, which seeks to eliminate not just the political adversaries, but also citizens who are excluded by the political system. At this point, the state of exception became increasingly permanent and dominant in the government paradigm in contemporary politics. This time point is crucial since it links to the reterritorializations of the series of boundaries that are also fundamental to the birth of biopower, such as inside versus outside, citizen versus enemy, and temporary versus permanent, etc. From the perspective of terminology, the, the state of exception is not a special kind of law, but defines the law's threshold or limit concept. Instead, Agamemnon dissembles the phenomena of the state of exception into the state of siege and the suspension of constitution. Therefore, we might understand it as something transcendental to law. In addition, Agamemnon used World War I to further delineate the relationship between the law and state of exception that the latter imposes a homogenizing effect on the legislative, executive, and juridical powers. So for Agamben, the state of exception is undoubtedly significant to biopolitics. He uses the case of military order of post-911 U.S. as an example to demonstrate how bear life is involved in the contemporary political conflicts in a unique way. Specifically, in the military order under Bush's administration, Legally unnameable and unclassifiable beings were produced, and the detainees in Guantanamo are neither prisoners nor persons accused. Aside from numerous examples of the state of exception in Western legal traditions, Agamemnon closely links the former U.S. President Bush and his claim of the commander-in-chief of the Army title after 911 to the state of exception, which turned emergency into rule and made peace and war inseparable from each other. Chapter 2 largely serves to complement the first by recapitulating several main arguments by Carl Schmitt on the state of exception. Though not the ideas by Agamemnon himself, there are nonetheless a few points that are helpful for grasping the significance of the state of exception. For instance, the topological structure of the state of exception is termed as being outside and yet belonging which essentially connects to what Agamemnon says about the modern state of exception, which is an attempt to include the exception itself within the juridical order. Another pair of antagonist or opposing concepts within the state of exception is norm and realization. 
Specifically, the state of exception suspends the norm in order to make the application of the norm possible. At the end of this chapter, Agamemnon elevates the discussion to the philosophical level by alluding to a plethora of dichotomies, such as norm versus application, general and particular, language and beings in the world, logics and praxis, etc. So, in conclusion, we might consider the state of exception as a type of power at the disposal of the sovereign, which bears a dialectic relationship with the juridical order and law. The idea of the state of exception benefits our understanding of how certain power relations and ideologies are enabled by the creation of exception to operate both within and outside of existing social institutions, norms, and juridical order as a justified or necessary paradigm. Thank you, Yiming. I think you provided a very nice overview of the first two chapters of Agamben's book, State of Exception. Well, actually, um, one thing you just mentioned is also the key argument Agamben presented in chapter three. Um, Yiming, I believe you said that um, for Agamben, the state of exception basically means the suspension of constitution or um, something that can transcend the law, right? And this is exactly what Agamben goes into details in chapter three. So in this chapter, he discusses the idea of a state of exception following this line of thinking in the context of Roman Republic. So um, Agamben specifically talks about eustitum, which can be considered as a state of exception in Roman law. And the term itself, as Agamben suggests, basically means uh, stand still or the suspension of the law. Agamben discusses the work of Theodore Mommsen, who was a German scholar and historian in the 19th century. In Roman Republic, when the nation has been put in danger, either in a foreign war or in a civil war, then the, uh, the Senate may decide to issue a senatus consulting uh, ultimum, or in other words, the final decree of the Senate. So this will in turn trigger the proclamation of an eustitum. For Mommsen, this form of state of exception is just like quasi-dictatorship. However, according to Agamben, you know, Mommsen's statement is somehow problematic and also inaccurate because no new magistracy or new government will be formed during the eustitum. So instead, um, you know, every citizen can do his or her own part to help save the state. That is the key, you know, the key of eustitum is not really dictatorship or quasi-dictatorship, but rather it's the suspension of the law. This explains why Agamemnon argues that the state of exception is not defined as a fullness of power, but rather it is the emptiness and standstill of the law. In addition to his disagreement with uh, Mommsen, Agamemnon is also opposed to Carl Schmitt's theory of state of exception, which very much uh, emphasizes the juridical role. So Agamemnon briefly mentioned this in chapter three, and then in the next chapter, he thoroughly shows the readers the contention on the understanding of state of exception between Carl Schmitt and Walter Benjamin to German thinkers. Almost the entire chapter four focuses on how Schmidt and Benjamin went back and forth, just debating on what state of exception truly means to them. But in short, Benjamin insists to 
connect state of exception with a pure violence, which is something you know outside or beyond the reach of law, or according to Benjamin himself, the action that neither makes nor preserves law, whereas Schmidt believes that violence should always be something within the juridical context. So after presenting the reasonings for both sides, Agamben states his position on this, as interpreted by Agamben, uh, the degree of purity in Benjamin's pure violence is not determined by the violence itself, you know, but rather there is an external relationship, that it's a relationship between the mean and the end, just like law and justice. So in other words, violence is a mean, not really an end. For Gambin, originally, pure violence may not exist, but because there is this conflict you know, over state of exception, then there comes pure violence. So he basically argues that when law is in the state of inactivity, the people and the society will be one step closer toward justice. So once again, this is in coincidence with Agamben's argument in the previous chapters. It just goes back to Agamben's point that um, state of exception is about emptiness of the law or the, uh, or the emptiness of the juridical order. On the contrary, pure violence is what really at stake. Finally, I will be looking at chapters five and six from Agamben's State of Exception. I think chapter five's subjects can be understood through two main concepts. The first being anime, which Agamben examines at the beginning of chapter five as the lack of the usual social or ethical standards in an individual or a group. And the second term is eustidium which refers to the stopping of legal business and the temporary suspension of jurisdiction and judicial operations by magistrates and judges. The two of these concepts are important because they underscore the discussion of the rest of the chapter, with Agamben dedicating significant time to looking at framing the state of exception in the context of feast times and times of mourning. Agamben notes that feast times and times of mourning, especially when it comes to the death of a king, or sovereign are times when normal social structures collapse and social functions and roles break down to the point where culturally conditioned behaviors and customs are completely overturned. So are periods of mourning usually characterized by a suspension and alteration of all social relations. It is these instances of anime in the context of mourning where Agamben begins to tease out the idea of the king embodying law altogether, noting that because the king has an irresponsible power and is himself a living law, he is like a god among men. He is identified with the law and held in relation to it, hence the descent into anime upon the death of a king. The relationship between anime and law is examined in the second half of chapter five, through the lens of the anomic feast, noting that these events of so-called legal anarchy do not refer to old agrarian tradition. Rather, they point to the true state of exception as well as the solidarity between law and anime that grows out of the natural relationship between the two states. 
The more a state of law where all facets of life are governed by norms is enforced by the sovereign, the more enemy acts in contrast to it. Agamben closes this chapter by noting that in binding together norm and enemy, law and the state of exception also ensures the relation between law and life. Chapter 6 examines the topics of authority and power, noting first that in recent decades, the two terms have become confused. Agamben works to define authority by noting the need for a relation between two actors for authority to be enforced, stating, every creation is always a co-creation, just as every author is always a co-author. Agamben cites Magdalene in noting that authority is not sufficient in itself, whether it authorizes or ratifies, it implies an extraneous activity that it validates. The necessary relationship between power and authority is viewed through that political eye to further understand the separation between the two ideas. Agamben notes that the senator is not a magistrate, and we nearly never find the verb to order which defines the decisions of the magistrates or the people used for his counsels. Instead, the senators or council use their authority to pass on power to others. Agamben goes on to look to examples of Augustus, Hitler, and Mussolini as leaders that imbued within themselves authority so as to pass along power to the offices beneath them. Thus, Authority is tied to a physical person, while power is instilled in an office. To a gambin, authority represents life, and power represents law. In the conclusion to the chapter and book, a gambin discusses the state of exception as an empty space in which a human action with no relation to law stands before a norm with no relation to life. Thus, the state of exception has achieved its maximum reach around the world. The norms of law have been permanently changed by the implementation of the state of exception. And even though these acts of governmental violence go against international law, those implementing them claim the opposite. The struggle between life and law is the state of exception, and we are caught in the middle of that state. Finally, Agamben states that to show law in its non-relation to life and life in its non-relation to law means to open a space between them for human action, which once claimed for itself the name of politics. However, politics has become contaminated by law and the violence that creates it. And as such, the only way to separate politics from this is to disconnect it from the violence so associated with it. In doing so, law would be just that, with no exterior implications.